Broncos country, welcome back to the Orange Weekly Post Game Podcast, the first one of the season. I'm your host, Tanner Lee, along with my co-host, Jeff Ryan. Jeff, what is going on? Not too much, Tanner. It's great to be back for another season of Broncos football. Obviously, we're all in Broncos country, a little disappointed after the result on Monday night, but uh, glad to get the Orange Weekly Post Game Podcast uh, going again. Yeah, it'll be nice to uh, work off the rust a little bit. We could be a little rusty, just uh, foreshadowing here. It's the first podcast we've done together for a while. But, uh, Jeff, you had the experience. You, you you got to experience the black hole live and in person on Monday night, and I'm anxious to get your thoughts on that. But first, let's get pumped up with a little music. All right, Jeff, we're pumped up, ready to go through this podcast. You got to tell me, what was the experience like watching a Broncos Raiders game on Monday Night Football in the black hole during Oakland's last home opener ever? It was an unreal experience, uh, and experience is really the the best (laughs) word I could use for it. Uh, You know, growing up, a diehard Broncos fan that the Raiders have and were always the team that I've hated the most um, just because in Broncos country, you're just raised to believe that not, not for any other reason other than that their, their fans are intimidating that, you know, the black and silver um, everything about them. You know, they had the Broncos number early in our franchise history. So um, it's been a bucket list item of mine to get there and to be able to do it in the last season, like you said, on Monday night football, uh, before they leave for Vegas was was really cool. It's it's like no other sports venue in the world that I've been to. Um, uh, definitely not in the United States. I would imagine there's some crazy soccer experiences in Europe and South America. But for the NFL, there's nothing that I can think that comes close to this. Perhaps maybe Philadelphia, you know, Cowboys game in Philly could be could be uh, a little brutal, but there, there's something about this place that's just so unique. You know, their fans take it to a whole new level where their disregard for humanity is unbelievable. Like, you know, you go to most stadiums in the NFL and, and people will jaw at you and you hear things and you hear plenty of cussing and, and drunk people and all that. And But for the most part, no one actually wants to beat you up. I literally felt like if I said anything back to any of the fans that were chirping at us that I was going to get my head knocked off my shoulders. <laughs> so I kept my mouth shut the whole game. Um, uh, you know, didn't really have a whole lot to say during the game anyway, because of how we played, but, uh, but no, very, very cool. Um, I will say most of the fans are actually still normal, nice football fans. It's just that they have a much greater percentage of fans who uh, let's just say are unique. <laughs> that's that's a good way to put it. And do you think the yeah. atmosphere was like that more so because that the Raiders were playing the Broncos, or do you think the atmosphere is probably like that no matter who they're playing on Sundays or Mondays? I was trying to think about that. Like, you know, if uh, let's say the Cincinnati Bengals mm-hmm. come to town, you know, I was wondering what, what it would be like. I, I think it still has that aura about it on a weekly basis, but I do think it was it was more – um, unique on Monday night because it was Denver. Um, I couldn't tell you how many, you know, F the donkeys and hee-haw and, you know, all these kind of things I heard. I mean, we literally had a guy walking right in front of us, pointing at all five of us, saying, you're a mother effer. You're a mother effer. You're a mother effer. I'm just thinking, <laughs> my God, you don't even care about football at this point. You just, you're just wanting to start something oh yeah oh yeah Um, yeah and it's you know we were wearing our broncos stuff and um so we stood out obviously but there's plenty of broncos fans too we all we all got equal uh poor equal treatment uh by them but i i I do think the broncos and chiefs bring a different level of intensity to that stadium and especially uh 
primetime game for sure. I thought your uh, sister summed it up perfectly on her Instagram story when she said, thought I was coming to watch a Broncos football game. I ended up in hell. <laughs> yeah, that was as we were walking through the tailgate. And uh, let's see, I had probably five people flip me off for no reason. <laughs> um, I had a guy blow an air horn right in my face. Um, didn't get any beer or food thrown at me, which is good. Uh, but I'm sure that happened somewhere in the stadium. Oh, I guarantee it, it was, happened somewhere. It, it's, it's insane, man. I mean, it's, I'm glad I never have to go back. Um, but I, I sure am glad that I experienced it. That's for sure. I was going to say, I'm, even though it sounds awful to be honest, but yeah. I kind of wish – I'm kind of jealous, and I kind of wish I got to experience it at least once, but I guess I'll have to wait until the Raiders move to Vegas. Um, do you think a lot of those fans will move with them to Vegas? I'm glad you asked that question because before we get into the, the game, that, that was the last thing I was going to bring up is that, you know, I am – I'm in, so, in a lot of ways I'm disappointed that they're moving to Vegas because it's one more step that the NFL – has taken to, I think, kind of cheapen the brand, and it's just becoming so much more corporate. Um, But I I do think they will still have a very good following, excuse me, in Vegas, and I think, um, you know, that stadium's going to be beautiful, and they will still have plenty of Raiders fans. Um, But but it's going to be a different experience. There's going to be a lot more away fans. There's going to be a lot more um, fans that, aren't even there for either team just because it's Vegas probably. Um, But one thing I noticed leaving the airport on Tuesday that I've never seen anywhere else, at at least in Denver um, was the large number, like literally hundreds, if not thousands of Raiders fans in the airport, heading back to their home cities of San Diego, Los Angeles, Vegas, Seattle, Denver, um, so that was really unique. Most, you know, most Denver fans, I would say, uh, live in Colorado. So after the game, they just go home. But a lot of Raiders fans I talked to sound like they commute from other cities to go to the game. So I think uh, I think those same fans will definitely make the trip to Vegas. And um, you know, the one thing though is is the the crappiness of that stadium uh, will be lost for sure when they move. That's really interesting to hear that you saw so many fans uh going back mm-hmm. to where they originally came from i wouldn't have guessed that i would have guessed a lot yeah. of them were from a surrounding area yeah yeah it was very interesting and, and one last cool story and then we can move on here but um M- monday uh, i was in a grocery store getting some beer and food before the game and met this really cool uh woman who's a raiders fan super nice and we had we were running our broncos stuff so she came up to us and you know said she's going to the game and at first, she was just saying, "Oh yeah, you know what? My dad or my dad and I are going, and uh, it's gonna be you know, a great last time in Oakland before they leave next year." And as we got to talking, she said, "Well, actually, you know, my dad has actually passed on, but he was a Broncos fan, and I'm a huge Raiders fan, so I'm kind of taking him with me in in spirit so that he can spend uh, one last game in Oakland with that, me." And I, I that, that's just really cool to I me. Mean, that says a lot about what this rivalry is, and what football is really all about. Yeah, I'm glad you shared that because I was going to say that's just another example how sports can bring us together and yeah. be so powerful, really, um, from a cultural yeah. standpoint. So uh, very cool. They weren't, all, they weren't all bad. Yeah, yeah. They, but, but I'm sure you saw your uh, fair share of uh, painted-up fans with spikes and skulls and all that. Oh, yeah. All that garb. So, But uh, cool. Thanks for sharing your experience. That's, that's really neat. I was uh, – Anxious to talk to you about that, so so yeah. I'm glad you uh, shared that. But uh, now let's get into the game. I know, I mean, I don't think either of us are really looking forward to talking about this game. Uh, <laughs> uh, final score was 24 to 16 by the Raiders, but honestly, it felt like domination from Oakland's yes. standpoint, in, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I I agree. I. Uh... At the, near the end of the game, I, I turned to my dad and I said, you know, this is going to really frustrate me because I – and this was obvious. This was during the game. So this was obviously before I heard Fangio and Elway talking. I told him, I said, I'm a little frustrated <laughs> to see that we're down eight and our stats look the exact same 
in fact, when I was talking to him about this, both teams had passed for 249 yards exactly. Um, and I think we had 10 more rushing yards at the time, believe it or not. And this isn't late in the fourth quarter when we were, when the game was essentially over. And I said, the problem with this is Fangio and Elway and the rest of the coaching staff are going to go to the media and say, well, you know, we, we fought hard. We came back. We, uh, we have some things to build on. And I knew they were going to say that. And they said those exact words. And quite frankly, I think we played like crap and got, and got our, I, I think we got very outplayed. I thought we got outplayed. And I thought we got outcoached. Um, Yes. I know this is a brand new coaching staff and everything, but I thought John Gruden and his staff coached circles around Vic Fangio and his staff, unfortunately. Um, and, yeah. and it was frustrating from watching it on TV because the Texans-Saints game ran over a little bit, which was a mm. tremendous game. Great finish. One of the best finishes of a regular season football game I've ever seen. So mm. when they came on the air, Oakland was already in the red zone. Didn't get to see mm. even how they got down there. Um, of course, I read up on it. It was just some right. passes by Derek Carr, who was, oh, on, was on fire, fire. all night. Um, just looked like yep. a man possessed and a man that wanted to send a message to another guy named Antonio Brown out there. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, So that was frustrating. And then they scored. I'm like, well, this isn't how he wants to start the year. And then this is where I got really honked off. Our first play of scrimmage on the year, you know, we're already down seven. We need to make a statement drive. And what does Rich – Gangarello draw up for his first official <laughs> play as an NFL offense coordinator. Yeah. A reverse to a rookie <laughs> tight end. Yeah. What the <laughs> hell was that? I said the same thing, Tanner. It's like, what? You've had all all offseason to prepare that one play, and that's what you draw up. <laughs> it was almost like, you know, okay, we've heard the fans complain how vanilla our offense has been there in the preseason. Yeah. We're going to throw a wrinkle in on the first play of the year. Mm-hmm. It was just like, and I even, just... even the wrinkles we throw in are so bad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, oh, man, that was just a, it was a bummer from the start oh, from, from yeah. that play on. And particularly in the first half, the offense just couldn't get anything going. I mean, just zero points. And every time they got something going, the drives were neglected by penalty after penalty. It, it just looked like we were watching the last two years all over again. Yeah, and that, that was probably the most frustrating part. And, and <clears throat> the start of the game, um, what was really disheartening to me is that they set the tone and we didn't. We we were playing so far off um, the wide receivers We'll get into Isaac Yadam, but he had a terrible game. Yeah. Um, and our line, both lines got pushed around big time. We just looked like we – they wanted to be aggressive and we could care less. That's what it That's what it looked like from the stands. I don't know if that equated on TV, but it looked like no, we it looked like to just get pushed around. It looked around. like the Raiders wanted to be there, were more prepared yeah. to be there. They looked faster. They looked more aggressive. Mm-hmm. I thought that was the slowest – I've seen, in particular, I'm not just trying to pick on the guy, but that was the slowest I've seen Von Miller in years. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I know that their offensive line did a great job against him and Chubb, but there's got to be there's got to be more pressure than that that they can put on the quarterback, regardless of who's playing line. I mean, we have two of the best edge rushers in the league, and we did nothing. We didn't hear their names once. Nope. Nope. Zero, zero. Ridiculous. We had zero sacks on Derek Carr. We didn't even yeah. hit him much. Um, no. We never oh. even forced him into anything close to a turnover. He just played mm-hmm. a very clean game. And, and you know, this was an offense that turned it over a decent amount last year. And, and mm-hmm. on the flip side, their defense was last in the league in sacks last year, and they had multiple <laughs> sacks against us. Yeah, and our offensive line looked really pathetic, quite frankly. And I know Jawan James went out early, but I'm not sure that he's all that good anyway. Yeah, well, um, it Bulls, looks like, well, you know, the sad thing is he needs to be for how much we're paying him. He's he's making the second highest salary of a right tackle in the league. And Jeez. they had an MRI on his on his knee. It's a knee sprain. He's out multiple weeks already. So, Jeez. and now yeah, Elijah Wilkinson's the next man up. Yeah, it's already uh, our offensive line, which we've talked about for I don't know how many years in a row now, is, is hurting Garrett us. Garrett Bowles and, and hasn't learned anything. Should. No, he stinks. Um, 
he really does. Our interior, I think, with the center and the guard position is okay. It's really the edge rush that's that is getting to Flacco and and man, uh, we don't have a game. We don't have a gamer at quarterback. We got a guy who is experienced. He can make good throws, but if he gets any pressure on him, he doesn't know how to make a play. I mean, he he's not mobile enough to do anything once he gets pressure on him multiple times where the edge rushers got to him, it was like, okay, he's going down. Please hold on to the ball. Please hold on to the ball. And twice he almost fumbled. Once he did fumble and we recovered the other time, uh, looked like he fumbled, but they reviewed it and he, I mean, he did not, but it's just already one game in. And it's like, like you said, what is different? We look the exact same and we somehow have a new coaching staff and, a lot of new players, and we look the exact same. I, I don't understand. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of football left to be played, 15 more weeks, thankfully, but sure. hopefully a lot changes because this looks like the same boring offense we've seen the last couple of years, and I just can't take another mm-hmm. season of that personally. Uh, you brought up Joe Flacco. Let's talk about his play a little bit. He was 21 for 31 for 268 yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions, took three sacks for a loss of 19 yards. Um I saw some things I liked out of him, but some other things I didn't. I, I don't like. I think he holds on to the ball a little too long. That mm-hmm. was one uh, critique I had of him. But I will say he made some throws, particularly over the field, that none of our quarterbacks since Manning could make. Um, and I think he gets us in the right place that no other quarterback since Manning has been able to do. But besides that, I don't have too much to compliment him on for, from this performance. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, his throws over the middle of the field to Cortland Sutton. Um, he can zip the throws. ball. He can zip the yes. ball. I mean, he... yes. Yeah, I agree. I think those those were throws that I'm not sure Simeon or Keenum, um, you know, Lynch or Osweiler would have made. You're making um, me depressed just going down that list, you know. I... <laughs> I sound depressed talking about <laughs> it's uh I, it's not good man we I, I you know we have 15 more weeks but we have a quarterback who a, another team didn't want um and we have a, a an offensive line that is already hurt and when they're not hurt are already below average probably to begin with um I do think the second half we looked a little more well-oiled. I, the first half, the reason the game looked so bad was because our first half was one of the worst halves of Broncos football I've ever seen. We scored yes. no points. I think had a total of 87 yards. Um, didn't turn the ball over, surprisingly. Um, it was a very clean game in that regard. But the first half made it look so bad to where the second half, there was no coming back from it, really. Yep. Um, so I, I will give them some credit that they at least weathered the storm a little bit and fought in the second half and made some nice plays, but I, part of that too was, you know, the long play to Emmanuel Sanders was busted coverage on Oakland. Um, the, you know, it's hard to tell if they, they gave up a little bit of steam that they had in the first half, who knows? Um, but at least they, you know, at least we didn't get blown out 41 to nothing, which could honestly easily happen the way the game started. Sure. Um, no, it was definitely one of the worst first half performances by Denver Bronco team. I can remember at least in, recent years um let's go over the other offensive numbers real quick the running game uh denver ran for ran 23 times for 95 yards average of 4.1 yards per carry no touchdowns the long run was 26 yards by royce freeman who he actually was the leading rusher with 10 carries for 56 yards phil Lindsay had 11 carries for 43 yards joe flacco one carry for one yard and Noah, Noah Fant, like we said earlier one carry for a loss of five yards just couldn't get the run game going no, and you talked about that with me in the preseason, and we had noticed um, in the short time that our starters got on the field in the preseason that the run game, um, other than the one breakout run by Royce Freeman, uh, we couldn't get it going then either, and it's reflected in this week one game. So it's concerning. Um, you know, I don't know if it says a lot about our offensive line or, again, the scheme the Raiders had, um, but frustrating. And then uh, receiving uh, – the. Uh, these two guys get game balls for me. Cortland Sutton and Manuel Sanders. Cortland yes. Sutton had seven catches for 120 yards 
on eight targets, uh, average of 17.1 yards per reception. Manuel Sanders had five catches for 86 yards, 17.2 yards per reception, and one touchdown. He included a 53-yard reception, like you said, was broken coverage. But it, it was frustrating that we couldn't get Emmanuel into the action until the fourth quarter. Yeah, he, he was kind of absent until then. Um, Cortland, I think, was the best player of the game for oh, us. Um, I, I, at least offensively, yeah. But probably overall, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, um, which is nice to see because, you know, he's someone's mm-hmm. got to step up into that number he one should receiver be, yep, role. And, yep, he should be the future number one, yep. Yep. So that was that was good, um, and he made some catches that were tough catches in, in over the middle of the field where he could have gotten popped and um, and did get popped a couple times. So so that was promising. Emmanuel, of course, just <clears throat> you know always working hard until the whistle blows, which you love to see mm-hmm. that. I'd love to see this offense revolve not revolve necessarily around the tight end, but involve I guess the tight end a lot more than it did. Only two receptions by Fant is a little disappointing. And he only got targeted five times. I and mean, we didn't even throw mm-hmm. at any of the other tight ends. Um, yeah. I don't even really remember seeing them out there. I'm sure Hireman was at one point, but I don't remember that. Yeah. And then, of course, we tried to get Lindsey worked in the mix. With uh, He had four catches for 23 yards on six targets. Royce Freeman had one mm-hmm. catch. Deshaun Hamilton had two catches on four targets, including a ball I think you and I could have caught in the end zone on third down, which oh, when he gosh. dropped that ball, I knew the Broncos were in trouble. Yeah, that was uh, that was really disheartening because we were down fourteen to three. Um, I'm blanking. I'm sorry, but their their defender who went out with the neck injury, Con- yes, Conley, Garrett yes. Conley, yes. Um, that was right after that, and we were moving the ball really well, and it was a nice play. And Flacco actually threw a great ball. It was a little bit behind it, but it was kind of where it needed to be because of the coverage. I thought it should have been caught mm-hmm. for sure. It was not a bad throw. It should have been caught. Um, and that would have made it 14 to 10 with a whole different momentum swing. But instead, again, we settle for a field goal and this team up until the fourth quarter didn't score. The, the starters did not score a touchdown in the preseason and three and a half plus quarters of football. I mean, that's, that says a lot. Yeah. That's not winning football by any means. No, uh, no. but, uh, yeah, it's uh, I, I I did I will say in De, for Deshaun Hamilton he owned it like a pro. I mean he stood by his locker, answered questions to the media, which a lot of guys in that position would have probably tucked their tail between their legs and and uh, mm-hmm. sped off. So I, I will mm-hmm. give him that. But um, you know one of my concerns has been a concern I've expressed to you all through preseason was depth at the wide receiver position, mm-hmm. and now Tim Patrick <laughs> broke his hand. He's out six to eight yeah. weeks. That's less less depth. I mean, I guess Jawan Winfrey's got to step up. But I just look at this offense on TV, Jeff. And besides Sutton and Sanders, and yeah, Lindsey at running back, I, I just don't see much. I don't see anything that no. scares the opposition. No, I, I don't either. And we don't have a quarterback, like I said, that that can make plays by himself like a Mahomes can, or even, you know, Phillip Rivers isn't necessarily a, a mobile quarterback, but he is able to step up and get out of trouble and make plays happen. He gets guys open. We don't look like we are threatening ever unless we have all the time in the world, mm-hmm. um, which is rare. So I agree. It's not an intimidating offense. It's pretty predictable. Um, you know, that first play of the game was that end around, which was just garbage. And then we do two, little check downs to Philip mm-hmm. Lindsay that went nowhere. Yep. Um, and it looks no different. It's, it's, it's definitely a no Shanahan football. based offense. You can tell it is, mm-hmm. it is, it is. Um, um, and one, one more thing offensively mm-hmm. that I wanted to mention before we go on to the defensive side. And this is more of a coaching thing. I I think the the point that I was frustrated most at during the game was when we were down twenty six to nine. Flacco gets sacked on a play that he has all the time in the world, but there were no guys open, and puts us back to fourth and nine, and we kick the field goal to make it twenty one to nine. You need two touchdowns either way, and I think this was with about just under nine minutes to go in the fourth quarter, and so we kick a field goal to where we still need two touchdowns either way, and I felt like that sent a message of we have no confidence that we can pick up nine yards, which I didn't have any confidence that we could. So let's get points and see what happens. That's a losing mentality already. And yep. I, 
you know, I know you're playing the percentages there and you're thinking we, you know, three point, but you need two touchdowns. You, yep. That's what you needed. And yep. we settled for a field goal that really did nothing for us. Yeah, I, mean, I, I didn't understand that decision at all. Um, no. And red zone woes killed us again. I thought that was a big, huge mm-hmm. part or reason why we lost this game. I mean, we either got in red zone and got taken out by penalties or just by not executing the plays in the red zone. And McManus had to kick uh, and make three of four field goals, uh, which I thought he played pretty mm-hmm. good. He was one of the bright spots. He kicked the ball well. But uh, you got to score points in the red zone. You yeah. have to. You have to score touchdowns, not just points. Touchdowns, not yeah. field goals. And uh, it's just not going to cut it. No. Got to get the tight end involved in the red zone. I don't get it. I know. I know. And I, I, I don't know if it's the design or what, because there there are plays that we've run where I said, okay, that was a nice, that was a nice clean play. It was a good design. Um, the blocking was good. And then there's other times where I'm like, there's nothing to this. And I know, you know, I'm no football expert, so it's hard to know what's going wrong mm-hmm. in those moments where we have nothing mm-hmm. open. Um, but to me, it's got to be creativity. And, and when you look at our coaching staff is defensive minded and, like you said, from a Shanahan-style offense, it's it's worrisome, to say the least. No, definitely is. Um, well, anyway. uh, and one, mm-hmm. one more thing, sorry. Fangio made a good point um, talking about the fact that we there were three possessions on the Raiders' side of the football field uh, that we didn't take advantage of. One um, early in the first quarter, I believe, uh, we got it to the 30-yard line-ish and had a penalty that pushed us back out of field goal range. Another one where Flacco got sacked. That's when he fumbled, lost the ball. We picked it up, but again, had to punt. Um, and then the third was the field goal at the end of the half that I couldn't even believe we were attempting because it darn was near made that thing. He darn like near he made did. it. <laughs> Which the first one he missed, he probably needed about five more yards on it. I'm thinking there is no way at sea level that he's making this thing. Now he was with the wind. Um, but but even there was, you know, three more points that would have been nice to have yeah. and still couldn't get it. So yeah. just ugh, frustrating. Uh, very frustrating. Um, now let's switch, uh, unless you have any more um, comments you want to make about the offense side of the ball, let's switch to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, we've already kind of talked about how Derek Carr played, but his stat line looked like this. 22 for 26 for 259 yards, one touchdown, zero interceptions, no sacks. That's just not good enough on our by our defense. Playing no, played a very played a very clean game, and uh, he was on fire, man. He was putting balls in, in all the right areas, um, zipping it into receivers. Now, I think part of that was we were playing so soft mm-hmm. that it wasn't hard for him to do that, and I, I think mm-hmm. we aided a lot of that. I, and again, we'll get into Yadam, but he was playing ten to fifteen yards off of mm-hmm. guys throughout mm-hmm. the night, mm-hmm. and and man to man, and you just can't you can't expect to do that with a guy that we know has struggled in the past and have success. And in Oakland, uh, as far as rushing the ball, they had ninety eight yards rushing. That was led by rookie Josh Jacobs, who had eighty five yards on twenty three carries, but he had two touchdowns. Um, so not terrible by the run defense. They didn't give up. 100 yards or more or anything like that. Um, receiving for Oakland, Tyrell Williams had six catches for 105 yards, one touchdown. Um, and then um, tight end woes, covering tight ends. Once again, uh, Darren Waller had seven catches for 70 yards. I mean, it's, it's not tons of damage, but right there, those two guys uh, accumulate 13 of their 22 catches and a good chunk of their 259 receiving yards. Yeah, I thought Waller looked really good. Tyrell Williams stepped up huge in, in, in the place of Antonio Brown, which the FAB chants were um, They were so loud on television. I don't know if I've ever heard a <laughs> chant at a football game that loud and clear on television. It was incredible. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, and it just lasted all night. It was oh, unbelievable. Yeah. Well, you know, I got to agree with them there. I don't agree with Raider fans on much, but I'll agree with them on yeah. that one. So, yes. uh, but no, yes. that that – uh, you know the covering tight end is a uh, is a is a worry that we've it's a concern that we've seen for years, and I'm afraid it's still going to be Achilles' heel this team. Wouldn't you say? I I would definitely say so. Our, our linebackers, um, 
concern me a lot. Our, our lack of depth there um, worries me. Obviously, Todd Davis wasn't able to play. Um, Josie Jewell played the, the whole game. I think he played every snap defensively. He was a guy and, I want to give a game ball to. He had 14 total tackles, seven of those solo. I thought he did pretty well. Yeah, he, he did. He stepped up in place. But when we're playing a zone defense, yeah. I still felt like he needed more yeah. help. And yeah, yeah. he had to make all those tackles sure. because there was no one else around to make the tackle. Sure. Yep. <laughs> um, and so it was after like a six yard rush where it's like, okay, great. He made a tackle, but they just gained six yards, yep. you know? Um, so I, I don't know. Our, the middle of our defense looks a little lost at the start of the game. They were constantly moving back and forth. We looked a little bit like we were not on the same page. Um, and I had the perspective looking down, the field um, from one of the end zones. And it looked to me like our gaps defensively were bigger than I'm used to seeing. And I don't know if that's just because we were in zone most of the game or because our speed is lacking with the lack of depth. I don't know what it was, but that was something that I've noticed where when we went to the Super Bowl with that great defense we had, we were moving guys all over the place and were so stuck to guys on the field that, I didn't notice those same gaps, if that makes sense. Okay, that's good to know. I, uh, You know, you could see it. You, you had a vantage point of, of the game, which we couldn't see on TV, so that's that's good to hear. Um, I think it, this defense as a whole really needed Bryce Callahan and Todd Davis out there. I think they were really yes. missing both of those guys. Yeah. Yep, um, and Isaac Yadam, he was second on the team in tackles with eight. They were all solo tackles. I know you've been kind of – mentioning his name throughout the podcast already so why don't you just go ahead and give your summary of his play on Monday night I I'm just frustrated because he was our number two cornerback uh opposite of Chris Harris and they attacked him all night and we saw this last year where he would he would start 10 yards off the receiver which I remember the Broncos defenses of the mid 2000s to or you know or before Peyton Manning came that's how we would play defense, and it annoyed the heck out of me. And I never understood it because when you give a guy 10 yards, you're you're giving up so much ground and saying, I can't cover you man-to-man if I play three to five yards off of you, so I'm going to try to be safe, and it still doesn't work. And that's what I saw Monday night. I think there was – I can't name them specifically. Off the top of my head, I'd have to watch the, the film, but I know that there were, I want to say, four plays where I pointed his name out and said 26 – Yadam was so far off the defender that he either got beat or wasn't able to close in time to where they had a big play. Mm. And I think we're going to see a lot of that. I mean, he, I know that he's not slated to be the number two cornerback because Callahan is out. Mm -hmm. Um, but you got to figure out something else then to help him. You got to put another safety over there. You got to, you got to move a linebacker closer to the middle of the field. So if there's an inside slant, you maybe have two guys on him in the middle of the field. Um, he got beat on a long play. I think it was a third down play. I think I could be wrong on that when he got beat down the middle of the field, um, for like a 30 or 40 yard play, but I saw it all night long. He was just, even though he had eight tackles again, I think that was kind of an inflated statistic. I, I think he played pretty poorly. No, and it was, that's why I was saying it was, even though he's the second yeah. leading tackler on the team, he played pretty poorly. And when you have yeah. a cornerback and a future Hall of Famer, in my opinion, at least guaranteed ring of Famer, in my opinion, uh, Chris Harris Jr. on the opposite side, they're going to pick on a guy like Isaac Yadam. Um, yeah. But uh, I saw uh, old former Denver Bronco player Ray Crockett uh, tweet mm. out, he thinks that Yadam, he noticed, he watched some film, he noticed just some slight um, technique um malfunctions there with his fundamentals and his technique that can be mm. easily corrected. So, you know, he thinks he can he can work on on it and improve it. Um okay. so we'll, we'll see. I don't know. Um Yeah, I I'm not ready to say he needs to be off. The no, team but he did not have a good right game. Now, but, he did not have a good no. game by any means. No. Um I And thought, what else are we going to do? Yeah. Who else are we going to put no, there? You don't, we don't have anybody. Right. I thought uh Kareem Jackson had a good game for his Bronco debut. Mm -hmm. Seven tackles, five of those solo, two pass deflections. I thought he played pretty hard, so I, I think he deserves my second and only other game ball for the defense. Yeah, I like that. I, I agree. I thought he, he had a nice game as well. And, um, you know, 
shirt up some of the things in the secondary that that Yadam could not. Yep. But uh, other than that, I mean, we've Von Miller had five tackles, four of those solo. Bradley Chubb, three tackles, two of those solo, one pass deflection. But those guys just couldn't get to Derek Carr. And I guess got to give a tip of the cap to the Oakland Raider offensive line. Yeah, they they were stout all night long. And, and I don't think it was a lack of effort by Vaughn and Chubb. I really no. don't think so because no. I tried to focus on them, especially in the second half. And – they're trying to get after it. It's just, again, I don't know if we just were not disguising our defenses well enough for them to even attack Carr the way we would have liked. But, um, but I don't know. Carr, Carr did get the ball out really quick, you know. And that's one thing again that made our Super Bowl defense so great from a few years back is that our cornerbacks were so good to where the pass rushers were able to get to the quarterback, maybe even you know a little bit after most normal edge rushers would just because the corners were so sticky here. Carr was able to get the ball out so quick because they were wide open. Yep. Yep. Um, so Miller and Chubb and our interior linemen didn't have any really opportunity to, to put real pressure on them. Yeah. So, that's a good point. I think it's a combination of things. I think it was great offensive line play, poor secondary play on us and, uh, and Miller and Chubb just not doing much. And we, we didn't blitz a ton. I didn't think. No, it didn't feel like it. Um, yeah, this is definitely a game I want to forget. Um, you know, we yeah. it's the last game that Denver will ever play at Oakland unless they happen to meet up in the playoffs at Oakland. Um, <laughs> and we lost our last four games at that stadium. So mm-hmm. uh, that stadium did not treat us well towards the end of its uh, tenure. Yeah, I'm tired of uh, losing games to our division opponents. And, you know, it's hard to win on the road. I get that. But at some point you got to turn that tide, you know, and I – when Peyton Manning was here, I know he beat every team. <laughs> he never a lost a divisional road here. game. Never lost but a no. divisional road game. No, he did not. And and I want to say he lost uh, some I home ones. Like eighteen but... and one. Yeah, I, I want to say he was eighteen and one in the in the four years, um, including the playoffs, or maybe sixteen and one. I'm not sure. Of uh, divisional games overall. Yes. I can think of two that he lost on top of my head. Um, lost the Thursday night against uh, the Chargers. That's the one I'm thinking and of. And then he lost uh, the one he ended up getting hurt um, against the Chiefs. The Chiefs. Uh, oh, yeah. I guess I wasn't yeah. counting that, but he did he But did he start started that game. That game so, so yeah. I mean, yeah, Brock started the one against Oakland in which we yeah. lost. But, yeah. 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 So. And so that's, that's got to be an emphasis. You yep. know, beating the division has got to be an emphasis, and I haven't seen that since he left. Yep. Well, let's put that uh, game past us. Uh, we got the Bears coming into town. I don't want to talk about it too much because that's what Matt and Jared are there for for our uh, our pre on our pregame podcast here with Orange Weekly. They do a great job. They really get into the X's and O's and take a deep dive a lot more than Jeff or I do. We we just kind of have the fan chat, I guess you can say, um, just our general observations but uh bears are a team i'm pretty familiar with and you are too both living in indiana especially me up in northern indiana i'm surrounded by bears and colts fans um they had high high expectations coming into this year after uh, losing in the divisional round to the uh, eagles last year by a boinked field goal by uh cody parkey um matt Nagy's in the second year chuck pagano's new defensive coordinator since they're Past defensive coordinator Vic Fangio is now our head coach. So this is an intriguing matchup. A team Vic obviously knows very, very well. A team that brings in a very, very good defense. They only gave up 10 points to Aaron Rodgers and and the Green Bay Packers, but they lost that game because their offense and a third-year quarterback Mitchell Trubisky could only boost her up three points. This could be a uh, low-scoring knock-it-out, drag-it-out bout. Yeah, I sure think so. Um Home opener, that's always exciting. Yeah, I, I'm glad that we'll be at home for this one, that's for sure. It's a, it's crazy how these the second week of the season can already feel, honestly, like a must-win. Yeah, and it, uh, exactly. it really, mm-hmm. It really does. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll tell you what, I I know that the Bears only scored three points, um, and I'm, it's you know in some ways it's good that their offense looked like that, but their defense worries me so much against our offense that uh, I don't know. I... I got a lot of concerns <laughs> about yes. what they're going to do to our offensive line in Flacco next week. And um, 
hopefully we can settle it down and, and we got to be the ones that set the tone early defensively, I think, um, if we want to start hot against the Bears. No, I agree. Their defense is what's got me concerned, not their offense. So uh, yep. we're just going to have to just hope for the best. Hopefully we can uh, take care of the ball. I think that's going to be key. We cannot turn it over, which we did a good job against the Raiders not turning it over. But if we uh, mm-hmm. have as many trips into the red zone as we did against Oakland, we got to find ways to cap that those off with touchdowns this week um not just field oh yeah goals. yeah you can't keep settling for field goals that that has to change this week if it doesn't it's going to be a, it's going to be a season-long problem yep. and it's and it's going to result in a poor record again yep well anybody that's hoping to hear a prediction for us from uh for from us for the bears game is going to have to listen to the pregame podcast with Matt and Jared, as they have all of the predictions from the Orange Weekly staff members on there for the Week 2 matchup. But we won't leave you hanging before we let you go. Uh, Jeff and I thought this year we would add our weekly picks for every other game into each weekly episode here. Something kind of fun we can do and go back and forth and banter a little bit. We know it's not Broncos related, but we're hoping you just like the NFL as a whole also. Besides just the Broncos. So, uh, Thursday night game, you got the Buccaneers at the Panthers. Panthers are six and a half point favorites. You want to start with that one, T? Yep. Let's just go right down in order. Okay. I'll, I'll go with the Carolina Panthers, and then I think Tampa Bay is a, is a lost football team already. Yep. I like Carolina. They had a tough week one loss against the Rams. The Buccaneers had a tough week one loss at home against the Niners. I think the Buccaneers will be looking for a new quarterback next year. I think Jameis Winston mm-hmm. will have to find a new home because he's getting yeah. worse. So yeah, that's just my he, opinion. His time is done there. Yep. Uh, I think a Burt team will win this game. Uh, Arizona Cardinals <laughs> at Baltimore Ravens. Ravens are a 13-and-a-half-point favorite. Cardinals had a tie at home against uh, Detroit. Pretty, uh, They're pretty grateful, I think, that they got away with a tie there. A pretty good comeback just to get a tie. In Baltimore thrashed the Miami Dolphins, who might be the worst team we've seen in the last decade. <laughs> yeah, I was I was incredibly impressed with the comeback by Arizona, and even more so impressed with the performance by Lamar Jackson. Um, I do think that Miami's team as a whole is just is awful, like you said, um, but still an impressive performance by Baltimore. Um, I like Baltimore at home in this one to get the two and zero. Yeah, I think Baltimore rolls and. Uh... I don't know. Maybe that's a preview of your AFC uh, North division champs. I don't know. A lot of people weren't yeah. giving them a chance. Everybody wanted to give the Brownies a chance, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, interesting matchup here. you got San Francisco 49ers, 1-0, like I mentioned, traveling to the Cincinnati Bengals to take on a Bengals team who darn near went up into Seattle and beat that team. Yeah, really impressive road performance. I, I like the way they hung around there and played with a pretty darn good football team in Seattle and and uh, John Ross had a nice game. Andy Dalton still looks like a pretty solid quarterback for them. Why don't you Why don't you take this one, and we'll keep alternating our picks. Okay. Um, I'm actually going first. with the home team here. The The, the Bengals are favored, and um, I'm not so sure they're the better team than San Francisco, but but I like them to get get the home win in front of, in front of their fans. I agree with you. I'm going to go with the Bengals as well. I think uh, their home opener um, – Will bring some excitement to the city, and I'm not. I, I like San Francisco um, before the season started, but the more we've gotten into preseason and watching them week one, I just don't know. I don't know what to think about them yet. How, how good Garoppolo is, and how good their their defense is yet to be determined. So I'm going to go with the Bengals. I agree 100 percent with everything you said there, um, and and you know, Kyle Shanahan needs to show some improvement this year. He might see himself on the hot seat. I know. I know he's got a big contract and a lengthy contract, and so is John Lynch because this is a rebuilding process. But you got to start taking some steps forward. I know Jimmy G's injury last year took everything a step back, but uh, got to start taking mm-hmm. some steps forward there. Um, you do. The L.A. Chargers are favorites, two and a half point favorites on the road at Detroit. Yeah, I, uh, L.A. looked. Uh, Looked pretty darn good against the Colts. Uh, that was a pretty pretty exciting game um, between those two teams. And Detroit actually looked really good. And I was disappointed to see that they they lost it there at the end because I I thought they played better than expected um, in Arizona last week. Oh man, this one has actually been tough for me. I've been thinking about it um, since Monday, and 
I'm going to take the Chargers. I, I think on the road, I think they're the better football team, and we'll find a way to win. I think the Chargers are better, too. Um, I hate picking AFC West teams, but I think the Chargers will get this one done. Austin Eckler was a beast last week. Uh, if I'm Melvin Gordon, I try to get myself in shape and get back pretty quickly um, so I don't lose some money there or potential money. But, uh, you know, I'm not – I just don't think this line team's going to be very good. I I think Matt Patricia might be one of those guys that's better suited to be a defensive coordinator than he is a head coach. Mm-hmm. I agree. That's a good point. Uh, black and blue division here, a good old-fashioned knock-em-out, drag-em-out rival- rivalry here. Minnesota Vikings at Green Bay Packers. I'll start with this one. The Packers are two-and-a-half-point favorites. And I'm going to take the Packers at home. I think I'm a little higher on this Packer team than a lot of people. Um, I thought, mm-hmm. I thought uh, you know, they hung in there last year with a banged-up Aaron Rodgers all year. I don't think people really recall that Rodgers was banged up pretty much all year. But the Vikings did look really, really good last week against Atlanta. But I'm taking the Packers uh, at Lambeau in their home opener. Yeah, I agree with you. These were two teams that looked a lot better in week one than I expected them to. Um, I thought Minnesota would kind of be the same old Vikings team against the Falcons and lose a home game that they shouldn't. (laughs) Um, But they didn't. They played incredibly well. And Green Bay, my gosh, that defense looked good on Thursday night. Um, So I'm going to have Green Bay winning this one and and roughing up Cousins uh, up in Lambeau for Green Bay's home opener. Yeah, we're we're kind of on a, tr- on a trend here, taking a lot of home. Teams, I know, <laughs> but and I don't yeah. think that's going to switch on this next game. The Jacksonville Jaguars at the Houston Texans. The Texans are eight and a half point favorites. Yeah, really tough news for the Jags losing Nick Foles in week and week one. And for Tanner's fantasy team in our league, or you're, <laughs> you're not in our league anymore. Never mind. No, but I well, yeah, I would probably be losing anyway already in that league. So <laughs> I, I lost there and Mo won both my leagues, including our Orange Weekly league. So, oh no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I do like uh, I like Houston here. I think they're a pretty darn good football team. They, you know, they probably shouldn't have lost honestly this week against New Orleans, but um, like you said, a great football game and a good football team in Houston I, I like them to get to one and one yeah I think Houston wins this game pretty easily uh Deshaun Watson showed some guts and courage he just got ousted by a great drive by a legend in Drew Brees and then a great kick a 58 yard kick by a Will Lutz uh career long so can't hang your head on that I like the Texans as well no. this one's gonna get ugly um New England Patriots <laughs> at Miami Dolphins Patriots are a 19 point favorite and in in, 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 in NFL terms that is crazy that's insane. I can't remember. I know last season I believe there was an 18-point underdog, and I think it was actually the Bills when they beat the Vikings last year, which was a big shocker um, on the road. But I can't remember the last time seeing a spread almost get to 20 points um, other than that game last year that I was referring to. So this this is going to be ugly. I At the start of the season, I thought, oh, this could be one of those games, you know, that uh, – you know, Miami always gives New England problems in Miami, but looking at this team, they are so, so, so bad. No one wants to be there. They're all requesting trades already. Um, They don't really have a quarterback that's worth watching. So I'm going to go Patriots uh, big here. No, they're already wanting to get into a sweepstakes or the Jake Fromm or Justin Herbert. Um, They're already looking forward to 2020. Um, Patriots are loaded and trying to win another Super Bowl. Patriots roll in this one. Just roll. It's going to get ugly. Uh, interesting game here. The one and zero Buffalo Bills came from behind, down sixteen zero to the New York Jets to find a way to win. They find themselves playing in the same exact stadium they did last week, but against the New York Giants. Yeah, really interesting uh, start to a season for Buffalo uh, playing there. Not, not technically by the name of the team's interstate rivals, but mm-hmm. going across to New Jersey for this one. I I actually like the Giants at home in this one. Um, maybe I don't know if we'll differ here on this pick, but I, you know, I, as good as Buffalo's defense is, and as much as people are liking Josh Allen, the the plays he can make with his feet, yeah, I think Buffalo is going to be the same old team that they've been. You know, I, regardless of uh, you know, Josh Allen, I know he's looked good and can, has been making some plays with his feet. They had a nice comeback against the Jets. Um, but, um, and I know the Giants, you know, Eli Manning, there's a lot of questions <laughs> around him constantly. Uh, but I, I like the Giants in this one at home. I think Barkley has a nice game. We're going to differ in this one. I'm going to take the Bills. I think the Bills get off to 2-0 start. They could be a sleeper for a wild card uh, in the AFC. I, I like what I see out of Josh Allen. I like some of the pieces they put around him. Cole Beasley's a nice little slot receiver. Um, 
But it wouldn't shock me. I mean, this wouldn't shock me to see the Bills lose this game. But but I think they get it done, and uh, the Giants yeah. are one step closer from the Daniel Jones era beginning in New York. They sure are. Uh, we got a Super Bowl Forty rematch here. Uh, Seattle Seahawks at Pittsburgh Steelers. Seahawks are 1-0. Steelers got thumped by New England, so they're 0-1. But the Steelers are a three-and-a-half-point three favorite. Yeah, I was actually surprised to see the, that starting line for Pittsburgh. Um, and I don't know, maybe it's with Seattle not uh, playing as well against Cincinnati as maybe people thought they were going to. But I'm going to take uh, Pittsburgh here at home. I think they're a home opener. I know they only scored three points against the Patriots, but I think they find a way to get their offense in a little bit of a groove. Um, it's hard to win in Pittsburgh. I like the Steelers. I like the Steelers as well. I actually really like the Seattle team, and on my podcast, the TNJ Man Show, they're actually my NFC representative in the Super Bowl. I took a took a, a leap with them this year, but uh, I think the Steelers get it done at home. If the Steelers start off 0-2, watch out for it to be a bad, bad year in uh, in the Steel City. Yes. Yeah. Nice uh, pick with Seattle. What? What's that? I said, nice pick with Seattle yeah, for the Super it's Bowl different. team. I, I do think they're a talented roster. It's different. Um, yeah, not a lot of people were picking them, and a lot of people were picking the Rams or Saints or Cowboys. So I thought it'd be mm-hmm. different. So AFC matchup, AFC South matchup here. Indianapolis Colts uh, go on the road to Tennessee Titans. Titans are three and zero after that, or are one and zero three point favorites after that impressive uh, win against the Browns last week. For some reason, I see a letdown happening here in Tennessee. This is a game on paper that I'd like to think that Tennessee could win. They're at home. They had a, a huge blowout win over the Browns. They should get to 2-0. and They're playing a team that just lost Andrew Luck. But I, I think the Colts actually played pretty darn well on the road in L.A. And uh, Brissett, he didn't do a whole lot, but uh, played well enough to keep them in the game and made some plays happen. So I'm going to go with the Colts, actually, in this one, um, putting both of these teams at 1-1. One and one. Jacoby Brissett definitely didn't do anything to lose them the game. Uh, Marlon Mack ran all over the Chargers. He was good enough to uh, win them the game. But uh, I'm going with the Titans in this one. Andrew Luck never lost to the Titans. So Mm -hmm. I think the Titans are due to beat the Colts here. Um, And I I really like Mike Vrabel as a coach. I think he's a good coach. So Yeah. Uh, Old rivalry here, Dallas Cowboys at Washington Redskins. Tough loss for the Redskins at Philadelphia last week. Cowboys looked great against the Giants. What's got to give here? Well, it worries me that Case Keenum had a game that I don't think he had once when he was in Denver. Oh, typical. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I don't know if that says a lot about our coaching or whatnot, but whatever. Um, The Cowboys look really good. Uh, I, I again, Washington is one of those teams that I just don't ever trust. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Cowboys here on the road. I'm going with the Cowboys as well. I thought Dak looked really good. I think they look like a playoff team after one week. Uh, I think this is the last year of the Jay Gruden era in Washington. I just don't see them being much this year. So I like the Cowboys. This is a game every Bronco fan can get just throw up when thinking about, and you just don't even <laughs> want to watch. Kansas City at Oakland. Kansas City's an eight and a half point favorite. Yeah, pretty incredible to think that Oakland starts at home against uh, Denver and Kansas City. Mm-hmm. They're two arch rivals. Kansas City is a, a team that they they hate. Some some people would argue they hate them even more than they hate the Broncos. I think the when I think the you can argue. Agree. For some Bronco fans, especially newer Bronco fans, younger Bronco fans, they hate the Chiefs more than the Raiders. So. Oh sure, yeah, no, especially with all this. I'm getting pretty close. Right I'm pretty close. I, I still think <laughs> I hate the Raiders more, but Chiefs are right there. I mean, they got some cocky no, guys. I, I agree with you, and I, I, I will say the teams that I've uh, hated can have kind of you know fluctuated seasonally, but based off of you know pl- certain players sure. being more annoying, like Philip Rivers when he was. When he was going up with Cutler, I hated the Chargers. But right now, the Chargers, you know, like whatever. I mean, I, I still don't like them, mm-hmm. but um, they're still top three on my my most hated teams. Oakland is still at the bottom of my heart the most, the, the team I hate the most. The Patriots is always a team that I can't stand. But right now, I agree that the Chiefs, especially their fan base, I think more than anything, <laughs> is really getting on my nerves. So um, in this game, from a football perspective, if I was betting on this game, I'd actually pick Oakland because I think they have a great chance to cover but I think Kansas City finds a way to get it done in a close game. Yeah, I think Kansas City wins this one. I don't even think it's going to really be that close. Um, I just think they find a way to get it done in the black hole. I think they have too much talent. And, um, 
Yeah, I just I, I just it, like the Chiefs in this one. And that, that could expose a lot of the problems that the Broncos have if, if they do blow them out big. <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right, and it's tough to think about it that way, but, but yeah, no, you're, you're correct. So uh, here's a good one, a rematch of the NFC Championship, the New Orleans Saints at the L.A. Rams. The Rams are a three-point favorite. This is uh, probably the best game of the week. Um, should be really exciting out in L.A. Uh, Jared Goff versus Drew Brees should be – I mean, both teams actually have really good defenses, but I think it'll still end up being a higher scoring game into the 30s. Um, I'm going to take the Rams at home. Not confident in that. <laughs> I'm going to take the Rams at home, though. I'll be different here and take the Saints on the road. I thought okay. that was a big right. big uh, win for the Saints last week, and it, particularly in the fashion they did it. I think they keep rolling. I think this is a vengeance tour for the – a revenge and vengeance tour for the, for the Saints this year. So – like yeah, no, this one's, a, this one's kind of a toss-up for me. I like that pick. I, I think you could go either way sure. here, but it uh, should be a great football game. The, the NFL really liked their bird matchups in week two. We got the <laughs> Eagles at the Falcons on Sunday night. Eagles are one-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. Yeah, Atlanta looked terrible in week one, which really surprised me. And Philadelphia looked terrible up until, I don't know, halfway through the third quarter. Um this one's this is another one that I've struggled with because I feel like both teams I never really I like Philadelphia's team a lot. Um, playing on the road is tough. I'm gonna go Philadelphia here. I'm gonna go the home team. I think the Falcons get the upset. Uh, if not, it could be a long year in Atlanta, and Dan Quinn could fill the hot seat if not get fired. So uh, I think Matt Ryan and the Falcons' offense bounces back and finds a way to get it done at home on Sunday night. And lastly, our Monday night game sees the 0-1 Cleveland Browns against the 0-1 New York Jets, but the Brownies are two-and-a-half-point favorites on the road. Yeah, Cleveland's got a statement game here after getting blown out on their home turf, uh, 43-13. They were touted as uh, NFC, or excuse me, AFC North um, likely champions before the season started as betting favorites. But looked pretty darn bad. I, I, you know, I didn't really get to watch the game, so I'm not sure uh, what happened there. And the Jets blew a game that they should have had in the bag. Cleveland's schedule only gets tougher after this game, and I think, uh, I think the Jets have a little better roster than people are giving them credit for. I know they, they had a disappointing loss. I'm going to go with the New York Jets at home on Monday Night Football. I'm going to take the Browns. They, if they want to be contenders this year, they have to bounce back and find a way to win this game. And, and I'm just not a believer in Adam Gase. I liked him as a coordinator when he was out here in Denver, but um, as a head coach in Miami, and now after one week at, at, as the head coach of the New York Jets, I just not a believer he's a head coach. I think he's better suited to be offensive coordinator. So I'm going to take the Browns on that one. So, uh, Any closing thoughts? Uh, no. I, I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad the football's back. I'm glad the Denver Broncos football is back. I appreciate everybody listening to the podcast and uh, thanks for Tanner running this thing and getting it going again. And, um, you know, we, I know we're disappointed. Uh, I know that the line in the law in the organization was disappointed, but not discouraged. I sure hope we find a way to set the tone early. Um, listen to Matt and Jared's podcast uh, for the pregame comments against the bears and let's go Broncos. Yes. Uh, well said Jeff. And I got a few closing remarks here. Um, thanks for, once again for listening to the, Post game Orange Weekly post game podcast. Listen to uh, Matt and Jared's uh, pregame podcast. We also have shows every week on Tuesday nights at seven o'clock Mountain Time on Facebook Live. Beers, Broncos, and No BS. Kev Dan's usually on there, and then a whole. It could be a whole combination of guys. It could be me one week. It could be David. It could be Jared. It could be Jason. It could be Matt. Um, it could be Luke from Mile High Report. We. It could be Jeff one week. We never know. Jeff's made an appearance, so uh, it could. It could be a whole whole slew of guys and then look for the sunday pregame show as well uh, some of the guys have started writing blogs on the website so go check that out and this year orange weekly will be given those who contribute to our patreon the chance to win monthly prizes as well as a grand prize at the end of the season with tiers from one dollar to 25 dollars per month you'll get entries for a chance to win one of our prizes in addition for every broncos win during the month or months that you donate you will receive five free extra entries for the monthly prize and the grand prize we really do appreciate your support because we wouldn't be here without each and every one of you so please check out www.patreon.com 
dash Orange Weekly to be entered into the, for the chance to win some fantastic Denver Denver Bronco prizes. I know last month, or maybe we're still giving out this month. I probably should have looked that up. Was a cool uh, framed picture of Peyton Manning in a plaque, so that was pretty cool. So, um, with that said, um, thanks for listening. I'm your uh, Orange Weekly post game podcast host Tanner Lee and Jeff and I will be back next week to hopefully recap a Broncos win over those pesky Chicago Bears. Go Broncos. Go Broncos. I'm riding on, man.